And hi, everyone. Welcome to Hyphenated, the Mixed Mama Life podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and I'll be giving you regular doses of life as a mixed race mama. You can follow me on Instagram at the Mixed Mama Life, and you can follow on Apple Podcasts. They uh, have a free subscription, and you can subscribe anywhere else you follow or you listen to your podcasts. I'm releasing new ones every Friday morning. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, please leave a review. Also, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend or on your social media. It's free and it helps promote my podcast. I would appreciate that very much. Okay, this week, my partner and I, um, well, he was off, so we decided to start painting. We have a full stone wall with a gas fireplace in the living room and we've been waiting, you know, for the perfect time, which there isn't. So we've been wanting to paint it for a while now and I wanted to paint it dark blue tone and I thought it would work nice with gold accents that we have already and it would also match uh, our throw pillows on the couch. My partner wanted more of a black or charcoal and Actually, that's what we ended up going with, and I'm loving the look. It's cozy, it adds dimension to the room, and kind of modernizes it a bit because the stone that was there before was, like, pretty old or made it look kind of old. So, yeah, I like it. We also tried to visit an apple orchard this week and, you know, to pick up some fresh apples and walk around. I believe this will be a yearly tradition. Uh, We started this last year and I was newly pregnant and feeling sick. And with COVID, there was like little that we could do. But when we visited the apple orchard, it was a lot of fun. And I can't wait for Genevieve to be older and be able to enjoy it as well. And she could pick apples and all that. Unfortunately, the place we went to was closed that day, figures, so we'll have to reschedule when my partner is off, maybe again, like maybe next week. Uh, The place that we went, like last year, and that we were trying to go again, uh, it also has like pumpkins and squash and a sitting area. It has like a, a maze and other fun stuff to do. And I know there are a lot of these little farms or orchards um, around Ontario. So if you have one near you, I highly recommend it. Bring the kiddos. It's a lot of fun. Last thing I want to talk about before I get into this week's topic is that I have decided to get certified. So I have started the Gentle Sleep Coach certification by The Sleep Lady. Some of you might have read her book or maybe you follow her online. I'm studying so that I can become a sleep coach consultant. I've been wanting um, something either on the side or something with more flexibility for years now. And I finally decided to take the leap while I'm on mat leave to study something. While I was researching sleep training in preparation for Genevieve's four-month regression, I came upon several sleep training courses, but this one is actually the original course, and the more I read, the more I wanted to take it. There are only about 10 people in uh, my course right now, 
which is nice. It's interactive, you know, it's kind of intimate, like there's not a lot of people, so it's not intimidating. And plus I started late. I started two weeks into the program. So I'm like two weeks behind. So I'm trying to catch up. So lots of reading to do, you know, plus this podcast, it's, it's a lot, but I am really enjoying the course so far. I've sat in on two like lives, Q and A's and classes. Um, and I've almost done week one of, of the course content. So still very new. Um, but by next month or so, I'll be needing about three families with a child older than six months who would be interested in getting some sleep training for free. So pro bono, um, I need to do three. So the families will have to agree to fill out like sleep logs and have a phone consultation with me. There'll be like email and calls as follow-up. And they will have to fill out an evaluation form afterwards. And all of this is part of uh, my evaluation. Um, My teachers and mentors, you know, will be helping me along. So it's not like, yeah, I'm doing this for free, but I don't really know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really good if you know someone that maybe can't afford to have a sleep consultant, but is interested in it, send them my way. I will be sorting through, you know, whoever applies and pick three. I need to get those three cases before I can get um, certified. So if you're interested or you know someone, send them my way. I will also be posting on my Instagram when that time comes. So keep a lookout for that. All right. Episode 24, Orange Shirt Day and the first national day of truth and reconciliation. So this week, we had the first official National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. September 30th is a day that honors the lost children and survivors of residential schools, also their families and the communities. But September 30th is also the Orange Shirt Day. And I thought it would be a good topic for this week's episode since my daughter and I are Indigenous. I will start with the orange shirt day. So as this is actually like a um, indigenous led uh, grassroots initiative, and it was made to honor the children who survived residential schools, as well as remember the many who did not. And the orange shirt day um, specifically relates to the experience of one of those survivors. And her name is Phyllis Webstads. And she is from the uh, First Nations in, or she's like the Shoshwap people of Williams Lake, BC. And on her first day of school, so she went at the St. Joseph's Mission Residential School, which is in Williams Lake, BC, or right beside it. So on her first day of school, she was super excited. She was super proud. She had this brand new orange shirt that was gifted to her. And she was just looking forward to go to school and to wear her bright orange shirt. But when she arrived at the school, she was actually stripped of her clothing, including her shirt. And that shirt, that orange shirt, became a symbol of everything that was stripped away from the Indigenous children over the years. I highly recommend if you haven't already read or listened to Phyllis's story, please do so. Um, You can read about it and see her video on uh, www.orangeshirtday.org. And I'll I'll link that in the um, description notes. 
her story is important and it gives you an inside view of what it was like and how it affected generations. You also will hear about Phyllis's story. She's not the only one. So for those who think that you know, residential schooling was a thing of the past. Well, the last one closed in Saskatchewan in 96 and Phyllis's own son attended that school. So yeah, that's not long ago. While I was in elementary school living, you know, my best life with my friends, playing sports and not having a care in the world, other Indigenous children were still attending these horrible like assimilation concentration camp like schools, however you want to call them. They weren't schools, but um, but they were attending. It's sad. It's maddening. It breaks my heart. But it also pisses me off that in our lifetime, Indigenous people were and sometimes still are treated as like savages or uncivilized quote-unquote so yeah I'm also mad that we still spend millions to feed and give clean water to third world countries when we have people here living in third world conditions I'm all for helping others but I don't agree that we should be helping anyone else before we help our own So I'm asking you to think twice before you send money outside of this country. Instead, donate to our local Indigenous communities. Donate to survivors, you know, support and buy Indigenous. There's many things. There are many, many causes that you can help right here in Canada. So please do that. And this week is also the Truth and Reconciliation Week. I just found out on Wednesday that there was a five-day virtual event open to all Canadian schools for youths ages five or for youth, sorry, grades five to 12, providing, they were providing like um, workshops, there's like storytelling and activities for students to learn about the truth of the Indigenous treaties, the land claims, the residential school system, like name it. But they also incorporate like artistic and cultural performances by the First Nations, the Métis, the Inuit artists. Um, And they also incorporate like ceremonies and it's all led by Indigenous people. Um, There are links for the educators and also live streams for the general public. And if you're listening to this on Friday during the day, this is the last day. So you might be able to catch some events. Um, I have the link in my description notes, but it is www.nctr.ca forward slash education forward slash TRW forward slash. So yeah, it'll be in my notes, but if you're listening to this on Friday and you're interested, definitely check it out. So what is the Truth and Reconciliation Day? Well, I'll tell you what I know and what I've researched. So in 1996, the report of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples made a number of recommendations to the Government of Canada regarding residential schools. And note, this was in 1996 when the last, you know, residential school was closed. So from that report, Canada made a statement of reconciliation to the um, residential school survivors. So they did that in 1998 and they created this Aboriginal Healing Foundation. So it started there. Then in 2003, the government of Canada launched a dispute resolution plan to compensate survivors that fell 
um, well, to compensate survivors, but didn't really do much in my opinion and in the opinion of a lot of people. Um, basically fell short of the expectations of what, you know, what should have been done. So in response, the Assembly of First Nations under the Grand Chief uh, Phil Fontaine, he launched a class action lawsuit in 2005 against the federal government. And as a settlement in that case, the government of Canada signed the Indigenous, uh, the uh, sorry, Indian Residential Schools Settlement Agreement in 2005. Okay, so they signed this agreement. Well, in that agreement, the man there was a mandate for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada. So all this technically started, you know, in the 90s, but the mandate to have this Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada was in 2005. The actual work for this report didn't start until 2008. And then they actually, you know, uh, traveled all over Canada. They interviewed, I think it was like hundreds of, of residential school uh, survivors. They um, interviewed a whole bunch of people involved and then they came up with actions. So as I said, the work started in 2008. The final report didn't come out until 2015. So 2015. And in that final report in 2015, there were 94 calls to action. And to date, there's only 14 of those 94 actions that have been done, that have been completed. So the report, it focuses on like healing, educating, and of course, reconciliation. Um, there's a large focus, obviously, on the residential school, its survivors, and the effects on the future generations. So the, like the legacy of the schools. And it covers stuff like health, language and culture, justice, businesses, sports, information on the missing children and the unmarked burials, and many more, including a call for an official apology from the Pope himself, uh, which I can tell you has not happened to date. Uh, but I do know that Indigenous leaders are visiting the Pope at the Vatican in December. So We'll see what happens then. I know that in the ind Indigenous communities, a lot of them would prefer to have an apology, I think, on our land. So to have the Pope come here and officially apologize. He might do an apology in December. He might not apologize. I don't know. I don't even know, to be honest, the real reason that the Indigenous people are going to see the Pope. Maybe it's for this apology. I'm not sure, but I'm sure we will learn all about it when, you know, after the meeting. So one thing I want to share about the Truth and Reconciliation Report is that it's not only a call for actions to the government or to the Pope, it's a call to each and every one of us because there can't be reconciliation unless everyone is part of it. So they cover, you know, like I said before, like health, language and culture, justice, business, all that. So it means, you know, if you're a business owner, you need to make an effort. You need to be inclusive. Um, what are the barriers? Why are maybe the local Indigenous people not applying or not getting the education that they need? Or, you know what, why aren't they getting clean water, right? Is there something um, that you are able to do 
about that? Like, do you work in that kind of field? Or would you be able to donate? Or do you have ideas that could help them? Like, we all need to work together to make it better for our Indigenous communities because we've let them down over and over and over again. So I hope you all at least wore orange on September 30th. You know, showing that your support is a small step, but having that visual step, you know, I was on online most of the day and to see, you know, people reposting and sharing um, important information about the residential schooling system, about survivors, sharing Indigenous art, sharing all the different t-shirts and the different Indigenous companies that uh, made the shirts and then donated and I just, I loved it. It was great, um, but it needs to be year round. No, I, you know, we don't need to wear an orange shirt year round, but the actions that we take, the things that we read, what we learn, all of that needs to continue. And I've showed, and I've shared plenty of things on my social media, especially on Thursday, about what you can do beyond just wearing that orange shirt. You know, it continues, as I said, all year round. So what you read, what you listen to, you know, what you watch on social media, on YouTube, whatever, and what you demand out of your government, out of businesses, out of your peers, right? So take a look, um, inform yourself, and also, you know what, it doesn't have to be a shirt. If you didn't wear an orange shirt, it could have been a bandana, a hat, a scarf, a pin. It could have been anything. You can be creative about it. Any kind of orange so shows support. And if you didn't, I hope that you prepare for next year. I hope that at least if you're listening to this, um, it might make you, you know, want to support next time and maybe want to learn more. And I also hope that if you have children, you talk to them about it and included them in the commemoration, you know, in honoring those children. Knowing and teaching the truth about what happened in the residential schools and what they were intended for is the right thing to do. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's the right thing to do. And if you don't know by now, the residential school systems were intended to, quote unquote, kill the Indian in the child. All right. So we have to stop pretending everything is fine and just stop thinking that if it doesn't affect you directly, it doesn't matter. Because in order for a reconciliation to happen, we all have to know the truth and work together, whether we're Indigenous or not. We have to demand better. So before I end this episode, I want to acknowledge all the residential school survivors their families, their communities. May we listen to you. May we see you. May we pave the path to reconciliation. Miigwech, merci, and thank you for listening.